Leafs Converts Hockey World. What is going on? This is the Leafs Combo Podcast. I'm Norman James, your host. We are back in business after a few days away. Those Maple Brothers, well, they've lost two in a row. Many think it's no big deal. It's just a bit of a rut. Others, like my podcast partner in crime, Mike Hagello, think adjustments to this team need to be made, not in the future, but immediately. We'll get his take plus your take thanks to a call to action on Twitter. Are you ready to go? Let's pod. The Leafs Combo starts right now. And here is my good friend, Michael Piagello. Mike, it seems like forever since we've last spoken. Good afternoon, Norman. Yeah, it's been a little bit, uh, and a lot has happened over the last few games with the Maple Leafs, so we'll have a lot to talk about in a little time today. Every time the Leafs play a game, I know you're going to have an amazing take post-game, especially when they lose, because I know when they win, you still find ways to criticize them in a constructive way. They've lost two in a row, so batten down the hatches, folks. Here he goes. Yeah, it's funny because back in the day with when I called in to uh, the post-game show or, or Leaf Talk with Andy Frost, it was like I was – it would basically he would guarantee for sure 100% that I would call in after a loss, and it was sort of 50-50 after a win. But I pretty much called all the time. But anyway, yes. Um, I don't know anybody, any Leaf fan that shouldn't be alarmed by the way that they played against the Bruins because – you know, this is a team that they should be worked up to play against. And I know, you know, working yourself up into a lather doesn't is does not, you know, mean that you're guaranteed a victory, but you want to see some sort of pushback and some sort of revving up of the emotion when you're playing against a team that, you know, has beat you in seven games last year, embarrassed you in the third period of game seven, you know, beat you five one in Boston last month. And then they played a good game in Toronto, where, but where they beat them four to two, but it was without Bergeron and without Chara. And they were without those guys again on Saturday and really didn't show up until it was the game was over with. Even Austin Matthews said, it's a, you know, we, we, we showed a little pushback in the third, but the game was essentially over. And I don't know how you can't be alarmed by the fact that a team without their, without their two biggest veteran stars, they still had Marshan. They still had Pasternak, and Halak played a pretty decent game. But without two of their two Leaf killers in Chara and Bergeron, they still, I thought, wiped up the floor with the Leafs and mm. outmuscled and outhit and out hustled them. And the concerns over the physical aspect of the game that were raised after Cronfall hit Matthews on uh, Thursday against Detroit. They were front and center in my mind because you had to have Nazem Kadri fight against Brandon Carlo. You had Zach Hyman uh, hit Charlie McAvoy in the third period, possibly out of frustration. And then the whole uh, Chris Wagner running Morgan Riley and Ron Hainsey having to drop the gloves. Some of that wouldn't happen if they had somebody who could actually play the game keep up with the speed of the game and also have a physical aspect to it. And I think that's something that Kyle Dubas is going to have to address in the next couple months. Yeah. The Bruins are being preemptive in the way they play the Leafs, basically trying to instill in the mindset that the Bruins are better than the Maple Leafs in just about every aspect of a hockey game. Boston still has a, a mental hold of the Maple Leafs. And for as great as the Leafs are and as dominant as they are, they still have to get over Mount Bruin. I can go on and say that it really doesn't matter. It's just all in a night's work that didn't come together. They just continue on, the Leafs. But the Bruins will look at it from a different perspective and say, hey, you know what, we were still without main players that we 
usually need to uh, be successful. And we were able to take it to you. Again, I also feel like maybe the Leafs are a little bit off kilter. They've lost their bearings since William Nylander's come back. And, you know, we had a decent game. What's your take on the way Nylander's been inserted into the lineup? And do you think it's maybe that's one of the reasons why the Leafs are playing the way they are? Well, I, I think it, when when things are going successfully and you put a, an element in there that shakes up line combinations and, you know, I mean, it's not like it was a new player acquired via a trade. It was a player that these players know, but it, it did shake up things a bit. And, you know, I, I know that Don, and I don't take everything that Don Cherry says is, is gospel. I love him. But, you know, the, the thing is when, you know, he is right that when you have a, when you're winning four games in a row, um, and, you know, do you wait to put that guy in, especially when he hasn't practiced, uh, hasn't been a part of a training camp, um, hasn't been up to game speed, you know, do you insert him right away or do you wait until you take a loss and give him some practices and let him sort of slowly ramp up? And obviously in retrospect, you know, hindsight is 2020 that maybe you would hesitate to do that if you thought you were going to lose to Detroit. But I, I don't think it has much to do with Nylander. I really think it has to do with, if you look at it in the last two games, Detroit and Boston have been more physical than the Leafs. And this is setting a blueprint for future opponents. It's like, okay, we can't beat them skill on skill. Um, we can't out goaltend them because Freddie Anderson is playing really well. What we have to do is get in their kitchen, upset them, you know, hit them um, because there's no pushback. And I'm sorry, Mike Babcock, your toughness is not your power play. When you have the least amount of power plays in the league, you know, it's not going to affect the game that much. I mean, if, I, I think that this team, you know, they will win games. They will be very effective. They are incredibly skilled. They're incredibly talented. But as we get closer to where the season matters, which is at the end of the year and going into the playoffs, you need a balance of experience, of skill, and of tenacity or mm -hmm. toughness and they don't have any of that and a team that they play in the first round if they have anybody who can step up that's going to be an advantage for them and a disadvantage for the Leafs this is the Leafs combo Norman James with Mike Agello the Leafs have to take the play to their opponents they can't let whoever they're playing on any given night dictate how things are going to go and mm -hmm. you know react accordingly because for as good as the Leafs are that's just not a winning formula as time goes on, the team is dominant, but it still needs to improve in certain aspects of the overall plan. And I hope that Kyle Dubas is thinking of ways to add pieces to this potential championship puzzle. I uh, saw some line combinations on Twitter from practice. William Nylander on the third line with Nazem Kadri and Patrick Marlowe. Connor Brown up on the first line with uh, Mitch Marner and uh, John Tavares. Do you think Mike Babcock's perhaps coming around to just shuffling the deck a little bit and trying it out? I mean, again, you have so many talented players that you should be able to mix and match and be confident that you're going to get production. Well, I mean, right now the 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 shakeup is based on the absence of of Hyman for the two games. But uh, what I was a little surprised at is that you've got wingers down in the American Hockey League um, that. You know, you could, and I, I don't know whether Hyman's suspension does not allow, I, I don't believe it allows for uh, somebody to be promoted to fill in the spot. He's still on the 23-man roster, but I, I would rather have, you know, a Mason Marchment or a Trevor Moore or Carl Grunstrom or somebody of that ilk 
playing for the Marlies in that on that fourth line than Freddie Gauthier, who again is playing out of position on the wing and is a six foot five, 230 pound player who doesn't really hit. So, you know, that's not exactly the the type of player that I think, you know, you're necessitating being put in the lineup because of the suspension that really helps you. I mean, it's funny because I made some comments after the game and people were thinking I'm advocating, you know, bringing back Colton or and Fraser McLaren and whatever. It's like those guys are obsolete. They can't play in the league anymore. But what you do need are players mm-hmm. that, you know, can play in your top nine or in your top four defensive pairing, not just guys who play eight minutes a night who can provide some physicality. And mm-hmm. right now, this team doesn't have that. And I think it's going to continue to come back again and again and again with them. Well, the Leafs certainly have to adapt. You're not going to win a championship if you're not adapting to what's coming at you. Be able to match it and overcome it. We're going to get to some of your Twitter comments, questions, and concerns in just a few moments. I tweeted out the question, what's bothering you right now about the Maple Leafs? And there is a lot of stuff that's on the minds of Leaf fans and then others who think that nothing's wrong. It's not about things being wrong. It's about what does this team lack? What can it improve upon? Because the process here is all about winning a Stanley Cup. It's not about just entertaining you or giving William Nylander a platform to you know, be, be pretty and go out there and dazzle. This is about winning a Stanley Cup. And this team has a lot of pieces that you need to win a cup, but it's still missing some other pieces. Mason Marchment, before we get into the Zach Hyman hit, we've got to talk about it. Mason Marchment, is this guy like like legitimately knocking on the door of the NHL? Does he need an opportunity here? I think he's close. I think he's close because... Um, because of the need of the Leafs, but I also think he showed dramatic improvement last year. Um, he was a key player in the Calder Cup run. He is big, he is physical, and he is quick. He is his skating has improved immensely during his tenure with the Marlies. And I just think that, you know, right now, if you look at the makeup of, of the Leafs, they have a few big players, but you know, nobody plays with size and Marchment. I think Marchman is a perfect fit on the fourth line as an energy guy. He's not going to penalty kill for you, but I think he can score the odd goal. But he also, I mean, I've seen it firsthand with, with the Marlies. If somebody, if, if a spark is needed, he will do it. If somebody is, mm-hmm. is hit, he will hit back. It's the type of player that they need. It's just a question of whether, you know, Mike Babcock will, if they call him up, will play that guy, or whether he would go, rather go with uh, Freddie Gauthier or Parland Home or somebody of that ilk. Yeah, Mike, it's uh, interesting. So Zach Hyman hits Charlie McAvoy, uh, gets two games for interference. I watched mm-hmm. the video over and over again. I mean, you can go either way, but for me, this is a a symptom of the Leafs not matching the physical posturing that Boston brings with it literally every shift so what happens is you have Zach Hyman out there in a game that's where frustrations are you know beginning to ramp up Uh, do something to Charlie McAvoy that you know is arguable but what happened the result is a suspension and uh, you needed Zach Hyman out there whereas you know some people don't think that he's skilled enough Mm -hmm. yet you know he brings more than just skill the team has tons of skill you need to start rounding it out every team that wins the Stanley Cup has you know is top to bottom, you know, diverse, uh, lots of different skill sets that contribute to the greater good and, and the, you know, the goal to win a Stanley cup. And I think Zach Hyman is the kind of guy who can help this team win a cup, but he's suspended two games because he goes out there, takes a run at McAvoy and 
you know, the frustration of, you know, perhaps not having enough guys on the team who can stand up to the opponent, especially the Bruins. Mm -hmm. This is potentially the result. We've seen it happen with Nazem Kadri too. Yeah, I, I I thought this, and obviously some people think I'm being a little homerish here, but I was a little su surprised at the suspension simply because it was not Rule 48. He did not make contact with the, with the head. It was late, and there was no doubt about that. He had no history of suspensions, um, as opposed to guys like Ryan Reeves and Tom Wilson who had hits that didn't target the head. Uh, who didn't get suspended and they, you know, so, I mean, I was looking at those examples and seeing, okay, he, they didn't get suspended. So Hyman didn't either. I have to think that one of the factors here is McAvoy is coming back from a 20 game absence from a concussion issue. Uh, but he came, he came back to the bench at the end of the game. I'm not sure if he played yesterday, but I somehow think that it was the time of the game. And they said it was a predator, you know, in the uh, the video that the player safe, the Department of Player Safety put out, they said, well, it was late and it was predatory. And mm. I think it was predatory. I think it was the fact that Charlie McAvoy was admiring his pass yeah. and didn't notice that Zach Hyman was going to hit him. But he didn't hit him into the boards. It was a dangerous hit, but I don't think it was ridiculously dirty as opposed to some of the other hits that I just talked about. Mm -hmm. And afterward, you know, the thing I admire is Matt Grizzlick, who's probably the smallest player on the Bruins, dropped the gloves with Zach Hyman because his player, his teammate had been hit and, you know, Hyman tuned him up a couple, threw a couple mm -hmm. punches, but yeah, that didn't matter. It was coming to the defense of a teammate. Whereas Chris Wagner hits Morgan Riley a few minutes later and Ron Hainsey drops the glove and says, okay, it's basically a, the way he acted was it's up to me to, you know, to, stand up for my teammate but instead of basically jumping wagner he says okay let's fight and i'm like okay that's not the way it works if somebody hits your player at center ice and tries to hit tries to take his head off which i think wagner was trying to do you just jump the guy and that's why i'm talking about pushback and lack of response and this team needs that response it's a rugby match with the boston bruins it's not a tap dance and the leafs have to realize that if you're going to get past this team I mean, you're going to leave some blood on the ice, and, and not in the literal sense, but figuratively. And I hope that people realize that. I, I certainly hope that Kyle Dubas realizes it as well. Um, the, the suspension, I believe, was formed based on Charlie McAvoy's history and not so much Zach Hyman's because Zach Hyman doesn't really have a history. Uh, let's get to some uh, Twitter concerns. What's bothering you about the lease right now? Mm -hmm. Tom Clyde, what's bothering me about the Leafs right now? Well, they are stuck in second place in the entire NHL. That sucks. You're kidding, right? I bet 29 other teams would gladly trade places right now. It's not about right now. It's about what's ahead. Tom, go ahead, Mike. Make a comment. Um, well, they're, they're, they're stuck in a division behind one of the best teams in the league in Tampa Bay. And Tampa Bay has been without Andre Vasilevsky for the last three weeks. And they've still, you know, Louis Domingue, I think is like 11 or 12 victories. So, you know, that's just the problem is that that team is just as good mm -hmm. or better than the Leafs. And, you know, the Leafs best case scenario right now, unless, you know, somebody like Kucherov or Stamkos goes down or they go into a long losing streak is they're going to be second place and playing either, Boston or Buffalo or Montreal or somebody mm -hmm. like that. Yeah, and they could lose that first round, and that would be uh, really tough. And then we start asking about Mike Babcock's ability to lead this team because in a lot of ways, a lot of the players aren't too – you know, we can't blame them, right? Because then it's 
you know, we're shaming these kids and that's not what it's about, but this team certainly has the potential to take that leap. Can they do it? Um, that is the question. We have just Leafs at Justin G1. Grit is what's bothering him about this team right now. And a stay-at-home defenseman who will punish you at the crease or along the boards. Mm-hmm. You concur, Mike? Yeah, I mean, I realize that Roman Polak was not up to speed in terms of the league, but they do miss that that character, that grit. Um, that I mean, remember against the Bruins in the playoffs last year, he was hitting, you know, whoever he could catch. Um, so they, I think they missed that, and they probably need somebody of an of the ilk of Polak who can stay up with the speed of the game a little more. And I do, like I said, I, I think they need a, a top nine forward that can mix it up and also play with you know Kadri or. Tavares or Matthews. Yeah, Jeremy Ridgewell, slow starts and lack of physical play, checking, not fighting. And we, you know, I don't think we should have to make that determination. We have to separate the two. I think people who fancy themselves uh, intelligent fans, apt fans, adept fans, those who are in the know should realize when we talk about, um, you know, enhancing this team's physical abilities, it we're not... We're not, we don't want to summon Brian Marchment. We want his son to come out and play and you know, bring that physical element that the team does not have right now and does require to go forward. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that the Leafs right now are two to three players. that They, they need the, the infusion of two or three players to provide that that physical aspect. It's not something that, you know, you're, you're, you're not going to bring in a fourth line guy and that's going to be enough. I think, you know, it has to be somebody who plays a bigger role. Um, so, and somebody, and, and, and in the end, it's going to be team toughness. It's going to be not mm-hmm. just those guys. It's going to be the inspiring of other players on the team to step up. You know, like not, I'll give Nazem Kadri all the credit. He dropped the gloves with a bigger, uh, Brandon Carlo in that game to light a fire under under his teammates. It did it didn't work because they 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 gave up two more goals I believe after after that fight. But it was at least an attempt to get things going. And you know you have to be able to respond to a team pushing you around with pushback. Do you think Boston got the sense once that game was over that the Leafs were engaged in that? the message from Toronto was, Hey, you won the battle, but you haven't won the war. Do you feel like Boston got back in the locker room and said, you know what? We, we got this one, but there's more to come. No, I, I I think Boston is, Boston is comfortable and confident when they play the Leafs, because I think in their minds, they have the Leafs number. They, they're winning the psychological game. Um, Freddie Anderson plays some of his worst hockey in Boston. And even without Bergeron and Chara, they cleaned up the floor with them. Now it's up to the Leafs that the the fantastic talent that they have, and it's up to Leaf management to be able to prove them wrong if they meet them, you know, in the in a playoff scenario because that was the last game in Boston this year. They played one more game in Toronto. It is up to the the players on the ice and Leaf management if they play Boston in a best of seven series that that never happens again and I think that never happens again only if they add players that will provide a little bit of that physical pushback. Yeah, intriguing times ahead, Mike. What is Kyle Dubas going to do to, you know, not address the shortcomings of this team, because it's a hundred plus point team. 
mm-hmm. but to enhance what it has to make it, you know, give it a chance to be even more successful when the money's really on the line and that's the playoffs. And it'd be uh, a real rare situation if the Leafs were going to go through from round one to the Stanley cup final and not have to engage with the Boston Bruins. A couple more and then we've got to go. Uh, Sean Goodwin thinks mm-hmm. that we're all overreacting. It's only December. Um, you know, it's just, it's never perfect. It's never right. And there's always going to be something that you're going to want this team to improve upon. And really, despite having a lot of amazing players and great talent and amazing potential, it hasn't accomplished anything in this new era of success. It's lost two straight uh, playoff series, one to Washington, uh, one to Boston. And again, you're going to have to get past the Bruins if you're going to want to get to where you want to go. Uh, last one, it's Hal Leafs. What's bothering him? Nylander's contract. And I hope he's not basing that on just two games. But, you know, I seem to think that it's a pretty good um, deal. One that allows the Leafs to uh, have some options in terms of p- potentially trading him. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, we've we've discussed that on previous shows that I think that especially after July 1st where the bonus of $8.3 million is paid and his base salary is 700000 for next year, that would be the opportunity. Um, I, I just think that, you know, right now, um, Kyle, I have a lot of confidence that Kyle Dubas recognizes the shortcomings of the team. You know, there are not many of them. It's like, this is not, it, I don't, if I was, if it was just the fans and, you know, people on social media who were reacting to, you know, the, the, the pushback issue, then I would sort of say, you know, that's that it is what it is. It's chatter, but it's, it's, it's people who are watching this game. It's people who commentate on this game. You, you listen to guys like Jeff O'Neill, former NHL or Jamie McLennan or Brian Hayes, or, you know, other commentators who follow this team. And they recognize that there's a, there is a concern over this aspect of the game and whether the Leafs will be able to contend against it when it gets tough, which is in the postseason. So we're going to have a lot of time before February 25th, mm-hmm. and this will be a focus of what they will do. And then after February 25th, whether they do something, whether it will be enough to get them past the first round and get them closer to the first Stanley Cup final in 50 <laughs> Yeah, no doubt. There's plenty of time to, to do what needs to be done. And look, we, we're not hating on the Maple Leafs. We think they're great. I hope William Nylander, you know, scores a goal and scores a bunch. But I'd like to see this team diversify a little bit the same way teams that have won Stanley Cups have and have succeeded uh, with lineups that are not you know, one-dimensional. Uh, Five-game roadie for the Leafs. Interesting stuff. Carolina next. Uh, I think they owe the Hurricanes, don't they, Mike? Yeah, the Hurricanes uh, did played pretty well against them uh, the last time in Carolina and did their little – uh, ice dance after the game. So I'm sure the Leafs will be looking to uh, pay them back. And apparently they were very lucky that they didn't go right from Boston to Carolina because mm-hmm. the weather in, in the Carolinas is not very good right now. So they headed back to Toronto and had a practice today and will be flying probably in the air right now uh, on their way to Raleigh. So yeah, I mean, it, it's going to be a tough week because Carolina and then their first meeting with Tampa and, you know, after I'm sure they would rather go into the game against Tampa winning five or six in a row. Like they, they were winning, had won four in a row. Um, that's going to be a key matchup. And they're, what they do head to head against Tampa may determine whether the Leafs finish first in the Atlantic or second. Yeah. The Leafs have the offensive capability to turn the tide at any moment. So I don't foresee any lengthy 
uh, run of futility. However, even when the team does win and does well, we know uh, as fans who followed the t- have followed this team for years and have seen other teams go on to great success while the Leafs have been sort of on the sidelines, we're aware that, you know, you're never, you can never stop improving. So just like you, Mike, you can never stop improving. I'm done. But for you, there's still hope and there's still potential. Anyway, got to go, buddy. Thanks, Norman. That is a wrap for this episode of the Least Convo Podcast. Thanks for joining us. If you want to holler at us, go for it. At Norman James TLC, at Mike and Buffalo, or you can also reach out through the YouTube comments section. We're also looking for a sponsor. The Leafs Convo at gmail.com is the way you can reach me personally. We can talk about opportunities we can share. That's it for the podcast. Talk to you soon. Peace. <laughs>